Well, how about that for a week one of college football? Let's do that a little bit more often. You're listening to Cats Interference. we got a whole lot of games to recap the top performers, some of the reactions, a lot of the storylines that unfold in week one. We're going to hash them out. We're going to talk them over because that's what we do. All right. I'm Patrick Brinkman. He's had Patrick Norwood. You're listening to Fats Interference. Don't go away. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Pat's Interference. This is year two, episode six. I am Patrick Norwood. I'm Patrick Brickman, and what is good? Everything's good, man. College football is back. Now, listen, if you're listening in for the Alabama episode, you're actually a couple days late. The Alabama episode has already been released because we're changing the format a little bit. So the latter half of the week will be around the NCAA. The earlier half of the week will be Alabama football. We so called it audible for, on this season, if you will. We did. Oh, look at you using football terms. That's what I do. We're, <laughs> we're, we're right back to it. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we, we're all over this podcast this week. We're so excited to bring you our thoughts and analysis of week one. Uh, not it's going to be every, a long episode, too. Yeah, not every second episode will be this long. This week is going to be pretty long, uh, just considering the amount of not only – uh, just the sheer number of games, Patrick, that were so great, but how great those great games yes. were, if that and, makes and sense. And just to put in a reference, there's a lot of uh, amazing matchups this week. Next week, not a single uh, two ranked teams play each other. Really not any interesting games, although week three Alabama Battle does of Bristol play will be something worth talking about. Just based on what Tennessee did last week, it'll be something to keep an eye on. But Well, and Virginia Tech, too. Virginia, you know what? We're going to get into it all later on. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, Patrick, that's a great transition because our first topic is that Tennessee App State game. And before we start, I, I do want to say uh, this is one thing I wanted to throw out there. I, I don't know how you're going to talk about these games, but I always have the mindset, the frame, where week one is so strange for teams. And you can even just look at the Alabama sure. game. And since we're sure. not going to talk about it here, I'll just reference that. Alabama came out offensively flat, but it's because there's so many new guys coming in. You just never know. You can't judge a team on week one. That is not the team they're going to be at the end of the year. With that said, let's move on. Tennessee, ranked number nine, took Appalachian State, or excuse me, Appalachian State, to overtime, winning in a 2013 victory that really was a lot closer than that seven-point swing. One of the one of the uh, the, the 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 luckiest overtime victories I've ever seen with Josh it's Dobbs the, fumbling is, into the end zone. It's the first bounce pass touchdown I've ever seen in my life. Basketball terms. Look at you with basketball terms. You're welcome. Go Spurs. Uh, <laughs> Patrick, let me ask you something. And Step You know what? Box. Actually, before I even ask you, I'm going to go ahead and give you my thoughts on it. Yeah, Because uh, I know you're very interested. Um, it, when I think about this game, and I think back to last Thursday night, uh, I remember when Alabama in 2011, I was a freshman, you were a sophomore, played Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern ran that triple option offense, ran for about 300 yards, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was some ridiculous number. Uh, and it was a little concerning for Alabama fans, but you've got to remember, that's their offense. And it's not something you're going to see all the time. And when you look at this Appalachian State offense, it's very similar. This triple option offense is very similar to that Georgia Southern offense. And I'm wondering if this is sort of a fluke game for Tennessee where they really are that talented, but they were 
playing such an odd and awkward offense that maybe that benefited the score a little bit in Appalachian State's favor. Uh, I, I'm interested to hear your opinion, but in my opinion, I'm not pulling the plug on Tennessee just yet. I'm not panicking on Tennessee just yet, just because I know that offense is so hard to defend, even when you have as much talent as Tennessee does. I am absolutely flabbergasted. I, I agree with you. We agree on this, but I was expecting you to jump down their throat. I'm not because I, you know, I know how you feel about I Tennessee did it personally. No, in all honesty, I did it at first. Like, like probably Friday morning, I was about ready to write him out of the top twenty-five. Um, you know, and you and I talked about how hyperbolic I can get when it comes to college football. But I'm trying to do a better job. Of, I mean, it's year two of Pat's interference, Patrick. We can't have the same <laughs> we mistakes have to, we, we, we have had to in year evolve one. together. Uh, exactly. Well, hopefully, we don't start agreeing on things so often, so that the show stays interesting. But um, right, I I agree with you. Just maybe from from the other. Um, I don't know that. It, I thought Tennessee's defense was okay. It was uh sure. I mean they It was their offense that's concerning. It was very yes, Dobbs came out. He looked like he uh really hadn't progressed as a pass. He probably he might have regressed as a passer. He had one long bomb of a touchdown that inflated his total overall yards. Um well, because and that other my... than that, he could not get any rhythm and kept doing either bad throws on third down or interceptions that just kept App State in the game, winning for most of the game at that, and then, well, uh, and that's that's something that you know I, we've seen time and time again with Bush Jones. We're going to get into LSU a little bit later. It's a failure to adapt to your situation. Bush Jones, I mean, how many times you can count on one hand how many times uh, Tennessee, excuse me, threw the ball down the field last Thursday night? I mean, it was maybe three or four times that they tried to complete a pass past. 30, 35 yards. Was it because Dobbs just, can't do it? Or, is, like, do they not trust him to do it? Because it's, it's basically year three of Josh Dobbs. I mean, you need to... He, he, should, he, he shouldn't need to be inventing new ways to use the guy. He should... I'm not... This has I'm been his sure, guy since he got there. Right. I'm not sure it's a confidence issue with Dobbs as much as it is a confidence issue with Bush Jones. I'm not sure that Bush Jones feels comfortable enough in his team and his offense to be able to complete those passes. That's interesting because, you know, they, they, when you come in as a top 10 team, and I actually think it might be a little bit of a of a hesitation to do it because they think the Dobbs is the kind of athlete. They got uh, Hurd and Kamara back there that they could have right. dink and dunked him down the field, but Dobbs just wasn't efficient. Uh, they weren't really uh, executing at all, um, and, you know, it was it was just an ugly game for them. But that's the thing, and the reason I'm not pulling the plug yet is I don't think they're – I'm backing off on them in terms of maybe a top 10 team, which a lot of people are talking about. I still got them winning the East. I've still got them 10-win season and right. all that. But I'm not buying them as a uh, well a real threat to the throne in the and SEC. And Tennessee drops to 17. Yeah. I mean, they dropped eight spots. But, but I agree here's the thing it. that concerns with me it. with Tennessee, Patrick, and the reason that I'm really, really close. I'm not going to, but I'm close to pulling the plug is the fact that their offensive line was so terrible. They play at Georgia, at Texas A&M, and then play Alabama. Yeah, Miles Garrett, Ryan Anderson, they're going to they're gonna have some fun with that offensive that's line a, if they don't That's progress. a field day if that offensive line does not get their crap together. Uh, but, you know, I think this weekend in Bristol is going to be really important. It's not like Virginia Tech played a great game against Rep in the go Big Flanks. South Conference. Let's go Liberty, right? Uh, Love Liberty. I mean, that's that's Big South all over, you know? 
Um, but no, in all seriousness, I, I think it's concerning for both programs that you're going into the biggest, uh, or excuse me, the most seats sold for an American football game in the history of time, and both the programs are coming in off shaky weeks. Um, and I understand that Virginia Tech's got a new coach after Frank Beamer's left after, what, 21 years of coaching, I think? It's been at least that long. It's, it's been a long time. So you come in with all that new information. You're Tennessee. You've had all the off-field issues. Uh, you've got kind of uh, an inexperienced, I guess we should say, offensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can even say that. I mean, I think they're returning two starters on that line. Um, so it's, I, you know, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up. And I just think that both programs were hoping to head into that game in Bristol with a little bit more steam. Uh, speaking of steam... Oklahoma completely lost all of theirs against Houston this week. Yeah, that uh, was uh, that was, well, that was really our first. Real quick on Tennessee, I think uh, Tennessee. I've got them winning the Bristol game. Quick sidebar: five hundred forty-five thousand beers ordered for that game. Roughly three point six beers per person. Is that enough? Wow. Wow. You did <laughs> some mathematics that I I can't even comprehend. I didn't I do think, it myself. You, I, I don't. you know what? I, I I will say this. You know how I feel about Tennessee and Tennessee fans, but I'm feeling generous tonight, so here we go. You will it's tough to find a more uh loyal fan base than Tennessee. Alright, stop. You're I don't know who this is. I don't know who this no, is. No, and to. I'm not I'm not saying that that's always a good thing. But here's what I will say. If things are going good and things are looking up, you will not hear someone be negative about Tennessee. You know how I feel about Alabama and how I feel about most college programs. Yeah. If they start to suck a little bit, I am very much a, uh, a pessimist. Downer. Sure. You. That's a little bit mean, but yeah. <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word, Daddy I am downer. not. I'm not a little ray of sunshine when it comes to college football. I have never met a Tennessee fan when they are expected to win big games or expected to have a big season where they feel down about their season at all. Now, I'm not saying that that's a good thing, because I like to have a little splash of realism in my life where they like to float on into fairyland and live with their heads in the clouds. But they're very loyal, and the beer statistic is proof of that. (laughs) The beer Uh, statistic is proof of that. I'm going to go Tennessee wins just because I think they've seen the nightmare scenario, the worst-case scenario, in the face it was staring them right in the face. It even punched right. them, took their lunch money, but they're coming back to school. Uh, that was... I think that's a very good point. I'm <laughs> taking Tennessee. That's bad analogy be... number one. Let's see if I got I... any more of this episode. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm taking Tennessee in that game for the opposite reason. I just don't think Virginia Tech's got it figured out with a new staff yet. It's hard to start a football program with an all-new staff. Yeah, Gerard Evans isn't a bad quarterback, but again, I'm not, a... I'm not scared of what I saw from Tennessee's defense. Now, okay, we've mentioned Houston, Oklahoma, 33-23, first big upset of the college football season. Um, but is it? Yeah. I mean, Tennessee was a playoff team. They were number three. They, you know. No, they, you mean Oklahoma. Sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. Oklahoma, number three coming in, playoff team. Uh, huge expert. I mean, this is the kind of season where if you come in top three, uh, not making the playoff is See, a huge disappointment. Here's here's my thing with all these games, though, Brick. The thing is, like, yes, it's it's you look at the number, and it's number 15 versus number 3. But does anyone really know going into week one the rankings? Like, no. I feel like there's not really, like, a big upset. No, and I'm just, I guess my point is, like, the, 
Oklahoma, all the preseason talk, we spend nine months talking about these teams, and nine months of talking about Oklahoma is that their playoffs are bust. So now they are really, really, really needing to turn things around to make the playoffs. Sure, sure. They, they, lost, they made it their last year and lost a game, but there's no more room for error for Oklahoma. Houston looked amazing, but the question well, I have for you is, do you think Houston... Was it Houston winning this game, or was it Oklahoma losing this game? Oh, it was absolutely Houston winning this game. I'm with you. Game. Another agreement. Dang it. We've really <laughs> got to start fixing this. I think next so topic, boring. I'm just going to disagree with you no matter what you say. No, but in all seriousness, I think I think you look at this Houston team, and I think they were pissed. I think they came into this game like, okay, you guys want to put us at number 15 after we dismantled FSU last year? Two scores. Dismantled them. They come in. They don't lose very many starters. They return their head coach, who everybody thought was going to go to South Carolina, Tom Herman. And then all of that now, I can tell you that. All of a sudden, I mean, what was it? The fourth or fifth play of the game, I sent you a tweet of Baker Mayfield just getting lit up trying to scramble past the line of scrimmage. I'm going to talk about him real quick. The thing, Baker Mayfield, to me, I I didn't watch much Oklahoma last year because they lost to Texas midway through the season and uh, just kind of snuck up on everybody toward the playoff and kind of scared us a little bit. So I didn't see them coming. Baker Mayfield, this is the first really good look I've gotten at him since the playoff game. And I didn't watch much of the playoff game because I was at a wedding. So um, he just real. I came away really, really, really unimpressed with it, the way he plays quarterback. He's very, he's an amazing athlete, uh, very good at, at, at improvising and all that kind of stuff. But towards the end of the game, when they were down 10, they needed a touchdown. Um, when you really need a quarterback that will stand in the pocket, there sling it, get your no first fire. down. There was just no fire. Couldn't do it. He could not just stay in the pocket and deliver a pass. Every play, as soon as he felt an, an, an ounce of pressure, not even major pressure, he would look to scramble it outside, and then right. he'd draw the whole defense to him and get under pressure. Right. It was very unimpressed with Baker Mayfield, and I don't I, – I'm, I'm ringing the bell. I'm calling him a little overhyped as a player. Well, and let me go ahead and say something about Oklahoma's defense too. I mean, come on. That, that's something they brag about all the time, Patrick. They, they, I mean, you, you had Eric Stryker last year. You've got their entire defensive line this year that wants everybody to think that they're, they're these world beaters. And I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Houston's quarterback, Greg, uh, Greg, is it Ward. Greg Ward. Greg Ward Jr. Greg Ward. I'm sorry. He's an amazing athlete. He's a terrible quarterback. The guy has no arm downfield. Gimmicky offense. He has to run a gimmicky offense. He does. He does. Uh, Not the ne- worst they, thing for a team like Houston, but yeah, Oklahoma should should have defended it better. There was a play when he was trying to throw it downfield, and he was at least a good four yards short on a fly route where the guy was wide open. His touchdown pass, the dude was wide open. I mean, it, it's just it's it's just he's a great athlete. Don't get me wrong, and he's got a great vision for the game. He just doesn't have the arm strength. But the University of Oklahoma really has to figure out their stuff because. There's just there was no reason that a guy like Greg Ward Jr. should be able to throw all over you like that or scramble all over you like that if you're boasting one of the best defenses in the Big Twelve. Not only that, but in two weeks they've got a rich man's Greg Ward and JT Barrett. Well, and let's let's sort of shift gears a little bit. We've talked about how bad this is for Oklahoma. How good is this for Houston? Oh yeah, we're downplaying a little bit. Houston is a good football team. I saw a good football team 
that beat Oklahoma. We're making the excuses, but they beat them soundly. And the great thing about Oklahoma is that they're now brothers with Alabama. We're cousins. Right. We're brothers. Kick six brothers. Yep. We're kick six brothers. Doesn't kick feel good. Brothers. It doesn't. That's it's not a club. It's you not want a to good family to. to to be in. It's a no. Very, it is it's not. A, it's a it's a very uh, 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 horrible family. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Tom Herman. I want to talk about him because I think he's sure. worth mentioning. Um, I agree. Most people are in agreement that he's the next big name head coach. There's right. a couple teams that we're going to talk about during this. Let podcast me ask you something. Might be just right, for him. Just right quick. Yeah. How are you? The University of South Carolina Steve Spurrier leaves, and you decide that Will Muschamp is a better alternative than Tom Herman. I don't think Herman wanted to go. So you think it was Herman? See, and I've heard this, and everybody keeps saying this. But if I'm Tom Herman, how do you want to stay in Houston? He loves it. Well, Houston, he's got a good he's got a good gig. He's built up a good program that will always as far as long as he's there, it'll be like FSU was in the the, the horrible ACC in the 90s. Um, he can dominate the American Athletic Conference. So he's he's holding out for an LSU. He's holding out for a for a Texas. He's holding out for a big, you know, a Texas A&M. He's he can do better than South Carolina. It's kind of like Kirby Smart used to, in my opinion. You know, he could have gone a, a number of places, or right. he can sit with the best defensive recruits coming into the country, or you know, sit in a bad conference and dominate it. That's right. what I think. That's ultimately why I think you don't want to go compete against Nick Saban, less well, maybe not less Miles, but all these SEC schools at a team like South Carolina. He wants to compete at a team like Texas A&M against these schools with sure. their kind of facilities and 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 you know all that stuff. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, even larger scale, the, the crabby part about this game is, Brick, if Houston loses a game for the rest of the season, they're out of the playoff picture. Yeah. If Oklahoma wins out, they're in the playoffs, period. And I think that sucks, And but that's the world we live in. It's Power 5 versus Group 5, and you're always going to take the Power 5 team. But here's the thing. Houston is a... Let me say this. I think they're an astounding uh, leaps and bounds ahead, several links ahead of anyone else in this Big 12 expansion conversation. Yeah, they got to be in. They proved it. But here's my counter question to you. Do you think Big 12 teams like Texas, TCU, Baylor will vote to have someone else in the Big 12 so they can keep creeping into that Houston recruiting pool see i think the argument is because they've got the schools in that area that if they want to expand they want to get schools out of that area you know because it doesn't help their reach as much but houston has proved that from a quality standpoint gotta be in and it's all tom herman but he's building up a program that i think his predecessor can do pretty well because houston's now a hot name i i think the thing that impressed me most with tom herman was the mentality that he's impressed on that team yes yeah, I mean, they, they kept using the term on ABC the other day, and I didn't really like it, but I understand where they're coming from, brainwashed, where the, last year's team, they referred to it as that team. And you heard it in the at halftime interviews, you heard it in post-game interviews, they kept saying that team. Well, that team last year. You know, and people would say, well, you know, you, you took apart a great Florida State team. Well, that was that team. We're not focused on that team. And I think that's something that's really important that, you know... Uh, and I'm, I'm not relating student-athletes to dogs at all, but they always say that the dog takes the personality of the owner. Yeah. Well, the team takes the personality of the coach, and Absolutely. that coach has proven to that team 
hey, we need to be winners, and we've got to think of ourselves as a separate entity from what we have been. That's something that Nick Saban's done. That's something that Urban Meyer's done. Uh, it's something that even guys like Gus Malzahn have done. Um, and you can take it from either way. Guys like Urban Meyer and Nick Saban take it from, hey, we won a championship last year, but that's that team. Houston's doing the same thing. Auburn and some other schools like that, Hugh Freeze, say, all right, yeah, we lost seven games last year, but guess what? That was that team. That's not this team. That's not this team's mentality. Kanye West has a great quote like this, Patrick. Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Can't wait. Your mistakes do not make your future. Boom. So what you were in the past, the mistakes you made in the past, do not make who you are now. Do I'm not make write who you my are wrongs, in the future. But it's funny. Them same wrongs help me write this song. Boom. <laughs> what happened to him, man? He used to be so quotable. Yeah, he's... I'm seeing him Monday, so I'm not going to talk bad about him. Let, anyway. let, me, let, me, let me go on a side note real quick. Just just 10 seconds. Sure. At my new job in my office, I put up an inspirational Kanye West quote every day so the students that come by my office can see something by Kanye and either laugh or get inspired or whatever. And every single quote I've put up for the past two weeks have been from older albums, older songs, or just older interviews. What happened to him? He was hungry. He's not as hungry anymore. There you go. He got complacent. Um, I anyway, like I, I let's move on to I Wisconsin LSU. This was an interesting game. Was it? F- yeah. From, from from things to talk about, standpoint it was. Yes, but I, I just I don't know. I'm so disappointed in LSU. No, it was, I, I it was an awful I, game. I can't even imagine what is there. I I think okay. So do you? What's the hotter seat in college football right now? Gus Miles on or Les Miles? Miles, Miles, Ooh, Miles, I agree. Miles. Uh, they lost sixteen to fourteen, and uh, the 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 game didn't seem as close as the score was at the end. And they had a chance to win. Basically, uh, Brandon Harris felt pressure, threw the ball, interception, game over. But it was where was he throwing that pass? I it was dumb. They were one yard from field goal range. It was one of the dumbest throws I've seen. He played O K before that. We all like to remember the interception, but um. No, that was a that was a bad pass. That was I feel funny almost putting LSU in the playoff, and I'm so glad I didn't because they have. I did. I expected them to progress, and yeah. they they regressed a lot. The offensive line was horrible. They got the best running back in the nation. They got two receivers that are going to be playing in the NFL within the next two or three years, and this is like we've said before. This is like eerily similar to watching Jeremy Hill, Odell Beckham, Landry Jones, Landry, Landry, uh, Landry, Jarvis Landry. Um, there we go. You're gonna get sp- it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> and he's on my favorite team. Sputter and flounder to a to a nine and three finish. And yeah. we're wondering if LSU's gonna get that. I'm not gonna overreact, but. I mean, I don't know. I I feel like they're gonna get into a groove. Um. And it's it's just so tough, man. It's it's just so tough after week one. But at the same time, you look at, I mean, God, you. You want to hear you, something crazy? Cam Cameron, who, by the way, statistically, the worst NFL head coach in NFL history. Just remembering right. his one in fifteen season with the Dolphins before Saban came, um, is the highest paid offensive coordinator in the nation. Right. I mean that that's got to change. Remember, the team that fired him in the middle of their season went on to win a Super Bowl. The Ravens yeah. did. Maybe they should do the same. 
I just I don't it was know. Bad. It's, it's just it's crazy to me because college football. I mean, I love college football, and you do too. Obviously, that's why we're doing this podcast. But fans of college football. I mean, you and I were talking about it last night. The same fans that were begging to keep Les Miles last year are now begging to throw him away. They're jumping off the train. They're L- there's no fans in the country right now that are hitting the panic button the way LSU fans. But I can't blame them. Wisconsin looked good, and and I underrated them. Their defense is better than I thought it would still be. They were a good defense last year. One of my favorite things I saw from that game was the – if you go on Snapchat, and those of you who aren't on Snapchat, I'm sorry, but uh, Patrick, I know you'll get this. There's the Snapchat stories, right? And one of them was from, like, every big college football game this past weekend. And the one from the Wisconsin-LSU game, there's two Wisconsin defensive backs. I wish I could say their names. I don't know which ones it were now. Uh, and if I could look it up, I would. But they disappear, obviously. And it's just a shot. This guy just took a selfie video. And he looks at the camera. And he, ter- he like, smacks his buddy on the shoulder. And the dude turns around and he goes, Man, why are they always sleeping on us? <laughs> and there's, like, a two-second pause. And the other guy's like, Man, they constantly sleeping. And that was the end of the snap. And I love that from the Wisconsin players because it's true. Who in the world thought Wisconsin was ever going to win that game? You and I were predicting LSU to win that game by, like, what, 21? I put, I, I said, like, 30. I didn't I mean, think it was going to be close. We thought Leonard Fournette was going to rush for 200 yards, have three touchdowns. Maybe but I was Brandon banking Harris on Brandon Harris getting to be a better passer. I was right. banking on it. I Because I guess I got stuck in the fact that he hadn't thrown an interception until the Alabama game last year. But And here's where we're getting into this conversation, where... You and I talked about this the other day. When does LSU learn to adapt? Alabama has learned to adapt. When football got into this hurry-up offense mode, Alabama's defensive line slimmed down. It's things like that. They adapted to the environment. LSU has refused to adapt to the environment. How many times did they throw the ball down the field the other night? Two? Not, Maybe? They, they Their offense is so easy to predict. I mean, on first down, they're running up the middle with Fernet, and the offensive line won't block. Second down, they'll try to do maybe the same thing or a screen. I mean, it's just it's such an unimaginative offense and that you're allowed to do that in the first game of the season for the first right. maybe quarter, quarter and a half like Alabama did. You've got to open it up. When you're, when you're staring the defeat in the face of an unranked team and you're a top-five team, something had to give. Yeah. I mean, that was... Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Just, and it's just... It's, it's just I feel bad for Les Miles. I felt bad for him last year. I feel like it's time for him to hang it up. And it's always like the coach or the quarterback in the NFL that sticks with it one year too long. Yeah, he's overstated his welcome in Baton Rouge now. I'm saying it. Doesn't necessarily uh, ruin their career, but it definitely sort of puts a shadow on it. Uh, and I just, I, I, you know... It's it's this weird thing that I have with LSU that you know as an Alabama fan, as an Alabama observer, that, listen, the Joker needs Batman, the Batman needs Joker. The two need each other to be great, to keep pushing each other to be better football teams. And to see LSU sort of spiral like they did after Alabama beat them last year, like they've done and did Saturday against Wisconsin... I mean, it's it's sad to watch. I, I don't want to watch LSU be bad at football. The SEC is more entertaining when teams like LSU, Alabama, Auburn are good at football. If you look, as, if you look just at, from an objective standpoint, as an SEC fan and lover of college football, 
and you take away the fact that I'm an Alabama graduate, that you're an Alabama graduate, that we're obviously Alabama fans, you take all that away, college football is more fun when LSU, Alabama, and Auburn are good at football. If you go back to 2011, um, you know, 2008 to 2011, Nick Saban comments, I guess it's 06 to 11, for the most part, Alabama, LSU, very, very close uh, at, at, at odds with each other. Alabama, LSU, LSU, Alabama. That national championship, 2011, which if LSU had won it, that team would have gone down as one of the top five all-time great teams. They didn't. We don't remember them because they lost that game. They got killed. Anyway. I mean, they fat-fived it. Yeah. Think about it. Since that, since that moment, that gap between Alabama and LSU has just widened enormously. And that's yeah. why I think that Les Miles... He's got to go because LSU will need to compare themselves out. Nobody deserves to compare themselves to Alabama more in the country than LSU. And, and Miles is not gaining ground at all. And, well, and when he needs you to go somewhere to... new with a new mindset, definitely a new staff. And when you refuse to adapt, that's what happens. Either you adapt with the change or you perish. He has not that's He it. has not learned to beat Nick Saban at his, at his own game, and he hasn't tried to find another way to beat him. You're right. He's got to go. Let's move on. We're spending a lot of time on these games. Uh, we won't spend as much time on this one. Texas A&M, 31, then ranked 16, UCLA, 24 in overtime. Uh, Texas A&M was really, you know, the SEC had a bad week as far as, you know, they went 7-7. Seven and seven. You had Alabama, huge bright spot. A&M, I think, was the other bright spot. I, I, yeah, I'll let you handle A&M and what you thought about Trevor Knight. I'm going to move on to UCLA. I think it's incredibly unfair that the AP voters took UCLA out of the top 25 this week. They did. Huh. That's, that's unbelievable to me. Uh, you go to double, or excuse me, to overtime with an SEC team. I don't care how bad of a weekend the SEC had. You've got to take these teams at an individual basis. I know that makes me a hypocrite because I always talk about how great the SEC is and how all SEC teams should sort of be not favored but looked upon in a different light than every other team, especially the SEC West, like Texas A&M. But to drop them completely out of the top 25 is asinine to me. I don't understand it. I think they could still run the table in the Pac-12, especially with the way that uh, USC played the other night. I know that you've got Stanford and Oregon. Those are the two powerhouses in the Pac-12 right now, which I never thought I'd be saying about Oregon. But how, how are you completely just burying UCLA like that? I just don't understand. A little disappointed in the AP voters. I think UCLA is going to bounce back in a big way, finish second or third in the Pac-12 this year, make it to a decent bowl game, maybe even a BCS bowl game, and go from there. Early uh, season but- polls are so tough, but I think you're I think you're kind of – on something there by saying that they they shouldn't have fallen as far as they did because the game was no, close. Uh, and not nearly. I I, I got to watch this. And UCLA like, showed a lot of heart towards the end of that game too. They did, and they 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 forced overtime with a really good pass once A&M grabbed the lead. It was a back and forth game. Uh, very quickly, um, I got to watch this game. On, I was in a in a bar with multiple games on. I got Attaboy. to really kind of glance at this game. The one thing I'm taking away from this is the question mark on A&M was just going to be how Trevor Knight would play at, at A&M. Right. Um, and we've seen that A&M's kind of a first-half team the last couple of years of the season, but Trevor Knight was in command, good leadership, played well, didn't play horrible, had, looked like he had control of the offense. That bodes very well for the Aggies, especially since we've seen LSU might be down. Auburn has not looked good. Ole Miss, uh, we'll see. They're they're erratic, but they looked like an okay, a pretty good team. But it's immense them as a contender behind Alabama as far as in my mind. Next game... 
Number 18, Georgia, 33. Number 22, North Carolina, 24. Another good game. What do you take away from that one? Uh what I take away from it is the play of Jacob Eason, and you and I can talk about this a little bit later on, maybe when we get into the uh, get into the Florida State game a little bit more, um, about this freshman crop of quarterbacks that's coming through, Jalen Hurts, uh, Francois from Florida State, uh, Bouchelle from Texas, and now you've, got, uh, now you've got Jacob Eason from Georgia. I mean, the kid didn't play a spectacular game. Good enough, per se. though, for, for, some, for some really good hope, for sure. I mean, but he did I mean, he did enough, and he showed that, hey, I can lead this team. You guys need me to go out on this field and lead this team down the field and score. You know, I mean, obviously Nick Chubb is sort of the guy at this point. Um, but at the same time, you look at those guys, and you look at Nick Chubb, and you look at that receiving core, and you say, okay, well, someone's got to get him the ball. And you look at that true freshman, Jacob Eason, he stepped up in a huge way, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that's something that was very important. I don't believe in Heisman contests in week one. I don't think Heisman and well, Heisman doesn't start to, for me till October. you got to play the first month of the season, then you start thinking about it. Because September Heismans are ridiculous. But if I had to pick the guy that's on the top of the list right now, it's Nick Chubb. He played amazing. And you know me, I tore my ACL as a freshman. I've torn my knee twice. I always am a little bit more biased toward guys that do that because I know just what it takes to be able to even even come back to like a I can play pickup ball sure. level like I did to come back to sure. a world class level like they are expected to. Nick Chubb came out; he looked incredible. I love seeing you're gonna you're gonna you're not gonna be happy that I'm saying this, but it's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I love seeing a nice, healthy, strong Chubb on the field. Jesus, <laughs> are you even trying anymore? Like honestly. No, but he was incredible. He had 200 – I want to say he had 200 yards. Close to it. He had 34-yard touchdown. carries, 222 yards, 6.9 average for two TDs, and his longest was a 55-yard carry. Incredible. Jacob Eason, your first game coming back after that. Jacob Eason went 8 for 12 for 131 yards, no picks in the touch. And he his QBR was 90.2. The kid played great. Grayson Lambert played like crap. You get that, and all, all he's got to do is do that, let Chubb do his thing. And I was not buying Georgia preseason. I, was, I didn't think they'd be good. I didn't. I didn't believe in them, but they look like the class of the East after Week One. Again, you not going to overreact every... too much, but I like the way they look. They impressed me tremendous, way more than I expected. I picked them to lose that game. Right, but every season we do this with Georgia, and you can True. admit that where True. they come out and you're like, "Oh man, Georgia!" You know, we never say, "Oh well, they're definitely going to win the SEC East," but every year it feels like we say, "Oh man, Georgia played really well. We got to watch out for Georgia." And then they play somebody like a Florida or a South Carolina or a Tennessee or somebody that sneaks up and beats them. Last year was Alabama just beat the tar out of them, and you didn't hear from them the rest of the season. Nope. So I'm Florida hesitant. Beat them. Auburn almost beat them. I'm hesitant. They've got a new coach, Kirby Smart. Who you? I mean, you know how I feel about Kirby Smart. I love the guy, but like I talked about with Virginia Tech earlier, it's hard with the new staff. It's just difficult. So I don't see a lot going Georgia's way uh, for the rest of the season if Nick Chubb can't play the same style and way that he has been and if Jacob Eason starts to slip and make freshman mistakes. Yeah, well, they got, they're going to play some good defenses in Florida and whatnot, but um, we'll move on. I feel like this is the game we're going to spend a while talking about. Cause just, it's, Let's. I mean, we're please. still an Alabama cop podcast. Number two, please. Clemson, 19, Auburn, 13. And I just, I don't, I don't even know how to begin 
going let after me. this game. Please let me. Just you, you start. Cause I don't even know how to. I don't know where to start. Auburn played three quarterbacks the other night. Erratically, like that and no, I, I don't. No I don't mean reason. that they let three quarterbacks play. I mean that <laughs> that three quarterbacks were obviously starting for Auburn. That were all one A, one B, and one C. And look, I'm not wild about the fact that Alabama is starting two people <laughs> at quarterback at all. But However, it looked like Malzahn wanted to run a three-quarterback system. It looked like that was his offense, and that is embarrassing. Let's face it. Let's call it what it is. That's embarrassing. Because Auburn had a real, a real shot to upset Clemson, and it was wasted on this, you know, people have always thought there's a method to the dude's method. There was no method to the madness in this game. This was no. ridiculous substitutions, play-calling, and they wasted a golden opportunity to upset the number let, two team in the country. Let me say this. In front of their just, own fans. Just right quick, let me say something positive about Auburn. Are you ready? I know it's coming. John Franklin III, one pass, one completion, had a 100% completion rate for negative three yards. I'll do, I'll do you one better. Auburn's defense looked good. They did. They, they did. I mean, they kept up with 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 what what. Deshaun Watson, nineteen for thirty four for two forty eight, with a seven point three average, one TD, one pick, with a QBR of fifty three point eight. He was getting hit in the backfield a bunch of times. They got good pressure. He was covering. The team was covering well. The defense looked improved from what Muschamp left last year, and they got Kevin Steele. But here's the thing. It's Kevin Steele, yeah. Here's the thing. What is Clemson not known for on offense this season? I thought they were supposed to be known for everything. Running the ball, right? Wayne Gallman, no, they got a good running game. He's he's fine, but you look at Clemson's offense and you don't think Wayne Gallman. No, he's not the first thing that comes to your mind, but he's him and him and Deshaun Watson form. I mean, Wayne Gallman had fifteen hundred rush yards last year. But still, quietly, when but you still think of it. Clemson's offense, you do not think of running the football. Am I correct? No, but you also think of more than 240 passing yards. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Like they should be. Able Here's to what I'm trying to say: Wayne Gallman should not have had 30 carries for 123 yards on Auburn. No, he shouldn't have carried it 30 times. We well, it's not even that that concerns me. Yeah, Auburn's defense was great, and they were getting in the backfield. They still gave up 123 yards of offense or, excuse me, of rushing yards to Wayne Gallman when that's not even Clemson's offense. It's just not. Their offense revolves around Deshaun Watson, and they gave up over 120 yards to a running back that is sort of a plan B situation. See, I, so see, I see their offense as more of being a complete... No. It's, it's It's very complete. Come on. Stop it. Come on. They had to rush the ball thirty times the other night. I get that, but they're not a they're not a balanced offense. Did you watch the national championship game last year? Well, nobody ran the ball on us last year. That's that's an outlier. Fifteen hundred twenty-seven rushing yards with thirteen touchdowns. Remind me how many yards Deshaun Watson racked up last year through the air? A ton, because they're an amazing offense. That's what happens when you have a good offense. They're an amazing passing offense. They were a standard rushing offense. 
I'm trying to see how many hundred yard games. 120 yards is 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 okay for him. I'm not saying that's that's not any kind of crazy thing to me. But still, we're going back to the root of my problem. Is yeah, Auburn quote unquote shut down Deshaun Watson and the Clemson offense, but did they really? No, they, they didn't shut him down, but they played well enough to win that game. They gave up the 123 point. yards to the plan B of Clemson's offense. Auburn's defense played well enough to win that game. Yes, I agree. Which none of but us saw. We, we saw them putting up 44, 50 points but, on them. They gave up 19. But you can't win the game when you play three quarterbacks and their combined stats are 15 for 30 for 175 yards and two interceptions and no touchdowns. That's my exact my exact point is they wasted a good defensive effort, one that took us all by me by surprise for sure on a, on on an on a crappy crappy crap unforgivable offensive game plan. But like I said, I'm being nice this evening, so here's what we're going to say about Auburn. It's tough to win in Jordan Hare. It is. So I will give the benefit of the doubt to Clemson that they went in there, they stuck it out. Deshaun Watson, shocker, showed no issues with composure whatsoever. Uh, but Auburn's offense has got to figure something out. And you said Les Miles had the hottest seat in the NCAA a few minutes ago. And while I agree with you, I think it's a 1A, 1B situation. And I think 1B is definitely Gus Malzahn. Two teams in the SEC that should should be very good are, are we're looking at coaches that might be fired in the middle of the season. Auburn just doesn't strike me as a team that would get rid of them in the middle of the season. And the reason no, I said less miles is because they've already almost done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we've we've talked about one thing. Okay, I have to say this. I, I'm definitely Clemson's still a very good team, and they they played a in a very uh, Jordan Hare is a very tough environment to get a win. So they got out. They they they're good, but. What Dabo did at the end of this game, he had a field goal. He was in field goal range. He had a field goal that right. made it two scores, right? Right. And he had a fourth down. Everybody in the nation was expecting, okay, he'll kick the field goal, make it two scores, put Auburn out of reach. He went for he went for it on fourth down, kept the score at six, gave the ball to Auburn with a minute left and like 60, 70 yards to go to score. Well, not only that, but he completely screwed over everybody in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, that had- too. Who had bet on Clemson to just slaughter Auburn? I mean, I know people who bet heavily on Clemson to cover that line. It was seven points. People, who is people were losing their mind on Twitter when he didn't kick that field goal. I mean, that would have put him up by what nine? That would, yeah, they would have covered the spread. The spread was uh, seven and a half. I want to say. I believe it was seven. Seven. Either way, I mean, it doesn't matter. But either way, that's just poor. Was, I, I just, I just don't understand that decision whatsoever. Like, have more. I guess he had faith in his defense instead of Auburn blocking a kick and doing a special teams. That no, that was just stupid. Anyway, so Patrick, let me ask you something. Who is this game more impressive for, Clemson or Auburn? I don't think it's impressive for either team. I think the only thing I, I'm I taking either. away from this is Auburn's defense had a better game than I expected. Auburn's defense had a better game than I expected, and I'm yet again impressed with Clemson's ability to stay composed. Yeah. Period. Other than that, I mean, <laughs> move move that, on a week two for it. both teams. Hopefully, hopefully sure. better things are. Bo- for, it it is it teams. is a Tennessee Virginia Tech week for both of them. Yeah, let's just brush our hands off. We got the W. Let's just go on. So I'll talk a little bit about why Auburn fans are very mad at Malzahn. My brother mad at Malzahn. A lot. Of, uh, my friend Russell's mad at Malzahn, and here's why. After the game, people asked him about the quarterback thing, and he was very 
adamant that was our plan. That's what we wanted to do. He blamed it on the team not executing. And he made it sound like they're going to continue to do that. I mean, it's like Bear Bryant said. If the players win, they did it. If the if we are excuse me, if the team wins, the player di- the players did it. If the team loses, the coaches did it. Yeah. That's, and there was no the there was no step up. There was no responsibility taken by Gus Malzahn after they lost. And it's disappointing to see, and that's why I think his seat is so hot right he now. He backed off on Thursday because the reception to what he said on after the game was not good. He backed off on Thursday. He said they're not going to do it the way they did. But, you know, it's already too late. They could have won that game. Next game, right. maybe the best game of the weekend. Uh, we're going to talk probably about the best two games of the weekend coming up here. This is maybe Absolutely. the best one. Texas coming in at home, beat number 10 Notre Dame, double overtime, 50 to 47. Do you do you want to bring this up or do you want me to bring this up? You picked it. Thank you. Hats I off. was hoping you would bring it up. No, so you, you, like you a, got it right. Like you were, your upset jerk. was right. Mine was wrong. I called it early in the summer. Wrong. Early in the summer. I said, watch out for that Texas-Notre Dame game. And not because I really thought that Texas was going to be that good. Not really because I thought that Notre Dame was that bad and they even didn't even play that bad. Neither team did, and that's why it was such a great game. But anytime you play Texas at Austin, it's going to be a tough game. It was a I'm really sorry. good game, well-played game of bad football. Both yes, teams made stupid but, things, but also they looked very impressive both doing it. But Notre Dame was so far in over their own heads about, well, we've got these great two quarterbacks that yeah. are both NFL-ready, which they are, and they proved it. Uh, it it's just – it's. I mean, Kaiser especially proved it. He's the better quarterback. Absolutely. I love love Malik Zaire. I hate that he lost his job because of injury, but Kaiser is just better. He got Alex Smith. He did. He got hurt, and then somebody better came along and took his job. He needs to go to LSU. He does. Oh, my gosh. Ooh. He needs to go to LSU. He's got to be a grad transfer next year. He's an upperclassman. He needs I, I like that call. I think that would be a great, great call for him. Now, whether or not he'll do it with the obvious LSU coach turnover that's probably going to happen, yeah. I'm not sure that that's, a, that's something that he'll look into. I could see him going to a program like Oregon. Yeah, Oregon, pro- Oregon likes bringing in these transfers, too. A, um, a program like UCLA Auburn, or Auburn USC. Likes in transfers. Oh, please, God, no. Anyway, he's, he's basically Brandon Harris with a better arm. Let's but, talk about – let's flip the coin, though. These Texas quarterbacks were nothing to stick your nose up. I want to take – can I take this one? Please do. Shane Buchel, the, the true freshman quarterback, we learned this weekend that week one went to the freshman quarterback. He played great, awesome in his debut. I put him uh, – for for the rep – he got a little bit more reps than, than Jalen Hurts did. I've got him a little bit above Jalen Hurts as far as um, debuts. I, I'm not saying any of – no knock on what Jalen was able to do, but Buchel was very good. But – Tyrone Swoops has been – I followed his recruitment. He was a four-star quarterback. Um, I thought he was going to be the next freshman quarterback when he ended up starting there that was going to take the nation by storm, and I put him as a preseason Heisman guy a couple years back. He's awful. was terrible. He was the reason Texas was bad, basically, for two seasons. He was a joke of a quarterback, couldn't do anything right. The fans hated him, but they had to start him because he's the only guy they'd gotten. Now he's the hero of this game because – they're going to run in an awesome two-quarterback system. He was built for the system that he is currently in, with Buchel right. being the thrower and him being, dude. Dude, was, I don't. I have no idea when overnight the dude became Tim Tebow, 
but he was awesome. And well, I and it's great it. to it's great to see a, a, an upperclassman like that be so selfless with his career. Yes, you know, Cody I mean, Burns. In all honesty, I got to give a shout out to Cody Burns like that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough for me to do that, but in all seriousness, it's well, it's he's my something... favorite Auburn player ever was Cody Burns. <sighs> That's a great off season discussion we need to have one day. Um, <laughs> favorite players uh, from your rival teams? Probably Bo Jackson for me, just because what an athlete. But anyway, uh, I I think that yeah, I mean, I, the mark of a great quarterback is someone who's a great loyal teammate. And I don't think you can find a more loyal teammate than someone who recognizes, okay, you know what, I can't get everything done for this team. But then even in his post-game interviews, he kept saying, well, I was going to do what I had to do to make sure that our team was going to win the game. Yeah. And that's what he did. And that's something that I respect with my entire heart. Somebody who's willing to put themselves on the line like that, to put what they want on the line like that, it's impressive to me. And I respect that. And I, I was really, really impressed with the way the Swoops handled himself after, after the performance. So how good is Texas? Did they just win a good game and come together and put all the pieces together, or are they a contender? I, I want to wait till the Red River ri- rivalry to make that decision. Because Notre Dame was a good team, and I, I actually very firmly believe if Kaiser had played the whole game, they would have won. But it's still good to see Texas be able to hang in there and win this game. They, no, right. not taking anything away from Texas. Um, I think Kaiser's a top. Uh, a future first-round pick from what he showed. He's got really good field vision. But Texas, right. I'm with you. I'll give it a couple weeks. Um, but I also, if you'd asked me a week ago, I thought they were hot garbage. So I did, too. You know, they, they, won, they won five I, games. They won five and seven. Well, no, I won't even say that. I didn't really think they were hot garbage. I just, you know, I, I called the upset, obviously. But in all honesty, and I still think this, I, I think the more talented team is Notre Dame. I just feel like there was more team chemistry with Texas. And that's why they won. And so, you know what? That's college football. That's college. That's the beauty of it. So if that was the best game of the weekend, the strangest game came on the next day, Labor Day yes. night, and in de- in, for some reason. Now, you and I got into a great, what most people would call argument. I think we did. My, you my and, opinions you and on I, this game changed at least hold four on. times let me, in let me, minutes. Let me just brag on you for a second and brag on us and why, why this podcast works, in my opinion. Is because most people would call what we had an argument. You and I called it a discussion to further knowledge and understanding. Sure. I like that. Because... That's what it was. As you pointed out to me, I can sometimes be hyperbolic in my college football analysis, and I understand that. You sometimes can sort of put on uh, a team's colored glasses, we should say. Yeah, I can be biased toward it. There's no question. I mean, I work here in the Panhandle. Uh, and I understand is, I'm that. in FSU country. I have to pay attention to that. I understand that completely. But when I see someone like Dalvin Cook dropping the football at the four-yard line, it's not the mark of a national championship team. And I said some things like, I don't think that the talent level of either of these teams is in the echelon of Alabama, which I'm not really sure I believe about Florida State. I think Florida State's very, very close to the talent echelon of Alabama on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, I don't think it's even close. But Ole Miss is nowhere near the number, what were they ranked, 11 team in the nation coming into this game? I just didn't see it. We we learned over the course of the game just how much they lost. I didn't see Florida State as the number four team, though. I'm going to... 
So my this okay FSU just because we haven't said it yet won forty five thirty four in a game that was basically two halves. Ole Miss came out to a twenty eight six lead. FSU then and you know at halftime when they got a score before halftime, then they got the ball back. Um, at right. halftime, you know, I was sitting here going, you know, it's 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 twenty eight thirteen. This seems like the kind of game FSU can claw their way back, but it's going to take the whole rest of the game. They can't give up another touchdown. It needs to be a great finish, and. They storm back. I mean, they don't even come back. They are winning this game. Down 22, eight minutes of game time ago. They are winning right. the game with eight minutes left in the third quarter. That's how insane of a collapse it was by Ole Miss. FSU got a, two turnovers in the red zone on straight drives to right. march back in after the a field goal in there. And after, I mean, it was just like, so Where my was opinion, Chad Kelly? It was. Where did he go? Uh, my favorite, my favorite thing that I keep saying is, I want to get off Chad Kelly's wild ride. I mean, it's just he was a, he was he looked like a Heisman quarterback in the first half, and then all of a sudden, he he was. I mean, I, I get it. He was running for his life. the The offensive line for both teams was bad. Both both offensive lines were. I just... I saw. F, I, my opinion on the team changed now. You you talk about these teams, you're comparing them to Alabama, which I think is unfair to do to any team. It's like. You, you, it's See, like and trying, I don't. You can't do that to a team. You set the bar, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But our bar you is Alabama. You set the bar, and everyone should try and meet that bar, and neither of these teams were close. Nobody Listen, was close Ricky Aguayo had more points than LSU, Clemson, Wisconsin, Auburn, and USC. Well, this was a fun week to be an Alabama fan because... There is not a... I mean, there was one team that everybody looked at and went, okay, they... yeah. That was Alabama. That was one I mean, team it, that played at that I was level. talking to my brother during the game, and he said, my God, Ole Miss is such a dog and pony show. And it's true. It's true. It's all at face value. What you see is what you get with Ole Miss, and there's nothing underlying that. So There's nothing there. I there's went from, no substance. There's no heart. I went from thinking FSU wasn't very good to neither team was that good. But by the end of the game, by the end of the fourth quarter, and the way they stormed back, and then the poise they showed to hold on to that lead when Clemson tried to rally, I stepped away from the game not thinking FSU's Alabama. I mean, if, if everybody had to pick their national champion right now, everyone's saying Alabama. But right. I'm still like I'm not stepping off the gas as far as I think that they're a playoff team. I, w- I came out – There's I think there's something See, to be I, said I, I, about the moxie that a team can show. Because like we've said, week one is so – they came out and they had – you know they had a, they had a first time starter quarterback like their offense was I don't they're I'm just going to compare it to Al, first year starter in a way they well actually we kind of had two but first time starter that needed to get his feet wet see the live bullets and then get it under him and an offensive line that uh, was letting him down in the first half Alabama right. was the first quarter then it was the first half then once they put their foot on the driver's seat got it all under them Jalen Hurts got his feet wet. Uh, Francois got his. They both played amazing. I mean, Francois won Davy O'Brien Player of the Week, 420 yards, two touchdowns. I think I've said it a million times this week on air. But they do I it mean, all the time, man. They did it. He showed so much heart, Brick. So much. I mean, the kid, the kid showed so much heart, and that's something that I, I mean, you don't see it on a stat book. You don't, you don't see a kid stepping in and making a throw and getting absolutely obliterated on a touchdown. That's not in the stat book, but everybody saws it 
saws it. Good <laughs> lord. Everybody saw it. Can you tell it's one thirty in the morning my time? But everybody saw it. You saw it. I saw it. And everybody knows that that was probably the biggest play of the game, in my opinion. That and the broken... Do you remember the broken play where they... they... The, the, the receiver went to the wrong yes. side of him to hand it off, and he took it for 40 yard down to the two-yard line? Yes. That's just that's that's something that you want to see. That's the mark of a winner. Yeah. I think Florida State is very, very fortunate to get somebody like Francois in their backfield. I really, really do. He was um, – I, I remember his recruitment. He was uh, – Barnett was the number one quarterback in that class. I want to say he was number two. They called him a, they called him a pure passer like they called Barnett. But, um, I mean, there's there's – He's no slouch. He was a he was a top uh, blue chip recruit. Right. Who showed us that. And um, the defense once the defense is a concern because FSU's always had that guy in the defensive backfield. They had Xavier Rhodes, a first round pick, Ronald Darby, um, Jalen Ramsey. I'm forgetting another Lamarcus Joyner. They always had that guy. They don't have that this year. And in the first half, receivers were wide open. Yep. I think Ole Miss has a lot to figure out before they play Alabama. I think Florida State has a lot to figure out before they play Clemson. At the same, yes, you're 100% right. At the same time, since we're talking about them, um, I'm going to forget second half Ole Miss real quick. Their defensive line was good. Their defensive line was yes. very good. It was giving in the first half fits front, game. Front it was, seven, really. It was when they couldn't get the, because FSU had, I think, it was like a 40-20 split, worse than that time of possession. It wasn't until that the, the Ole Miss defense was just so gassed they couldn't get pressure when they were fresh. They're, they've with they've got a good defensive line that's going to give Alabama some fits. Now that we're not doing the Alabama podcast, I will say when I watched that game, that put a little another merit in my mind as to why I think that Jalen Hurts should be the starter against Ole Miss, just because he'll be able to evade a little bit more of that. But I, agree. I digress. We're on the, the, the National Scope podcast. Um, Brick, you and I are going to do some hot takes now. We're going to move on. If you're if you're fine moving on from Ole Miss, Florida State. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, are we going down the individual performers, or we want to talk about No, we're going performers? notable games. I'm going to take the first two, say my piece, and you're going to take the last two and say your piece, all right? I'm glad you're giving me the last two, because there's one guy I want to give a shout-out to. Here we go. Ohio State, why are you leaving in your ones midway through the fourth quarter when you're up by 60 points on Bowling Green? That's a great way for JT Barrett to get hurt. It's a great way for the rest of the world to just completely hate you even more than they already do. EMCC. If you not watch the last chance you on Netflix and see what happens when you run up the score on some little opponent like that, guess what? They're going to start throwing punches. And if your guys punch back, those are the guys that are going to be in Sports Illustrated the next week. You're a bunch of garbage, and I cannot believe that you left your starters in while you were up by 60 points. There's a difference between being classless and being a bunch of, excuse my French, a bunch of assholes. You're being a bunch of assholes, Ohio State. Michigan, you're kind of in the same boat. I can't believe Michigan left in their starters against a Hawaii team that had to travel back from Australia. You were up by 28 in the first quarter. What are you doing leaving in your ones going in any time after halftime? I just don't get it. It makes no sense to me. Ohio State beats Bowling Green 77 to 10. Michigan beats uh, Hawaii 63 to 3. I'm disappointed in both programs, and they're furthering my proof that the Big Ten Conference is one of the worst conferences in college football. Please, let's move on. I don't know if it's just style points or 
I, I don't know. I have no. I, it's disappointment points. They want to <laughs> see how badly they can disappoint the rest of the world. <laughs> um, At least Ohio State has an excuse. Well, you know, oh, well, we've won the championship in the past few years. Michigan, what are you doing? What do you have? Honestly, what do you have? You have nothing. I don't get it. I, I just do not understand leaving your starters in that late. I'm I don't you. get it. I am I'm with you. There's a reason there's a reason that, that Alabama doesn't score seventy seven points and it's because their starters don't stay in long enough to score seventy seven. No. Saban takes them out after we get up by four or five touchdowns. Um numbers wise, the biggest upset, Vegas numbers wise, the biggest upset of the weekend, the University of South Alabama Jaguars going Go Jags. to Mississippi State, Starkville, beating them twenty one twenty. And here's why I want to give my shout out to Dallas Davis, the quarterback at South Alabama. He's a, he's a local from here. He plays in one of the high schools that I cover very heavily. Um, he played there. He's from there. He goes in, first-time starter, goes in there. I don't know if you saw the play where he hurdled the dude at Mississippi State. I did. But anyway, um, goes in there over 200 yards passing, two touchdowns, led the comeback there, down 17 nothing in the third quarter, scored 21 points. Uh, Mississippi State clanks the field goal to lose. Doesn't matter. You just got your ass beat by South Alabama, Dallas Davis. It's awesome. The other game, Florida 24, UMass 7. I don't have much to say other than Florida let UMass hang around for a while. But, again, I think it was a little bit more week one jitters than Florida's. I agree. Luke Del I don't think it's a situation where Florida needs to hit the panic button at all. No, no, I don't think any of them are either. They just, you know. Alabama didn't score touchdown for a long time. Week one's weird. Um, we'll move on to a list of guys, and we've mentioned a lot of them, but a list of guys uh, that I think were the striking individual performances from week one. We'll kind of do this every week. Um, All right. I'll take one. You take the other. Ready? Okay. Here we go. Nick Chubb had a great game. We've talked about it a little bit. Patrick, you put him as your Heisman favorite. I'm putting him in my top five now that Leonard Fournette and LSU's offense can't get anything going. I hope he can stay healthy. He's a good kid, and I'd really like to see what he could do with Kirby Smart and that offense for the rest of the season. Do I think that he's going to win the Heisman? No, probably not. Do I think he's going to be invited to New York City? Absolutely. I think he deserves it. I think he's going to be a great back in the NFL. Uh, and he had a great week one. Year of the running back is what I think it is. Anyway, yeah, uh, Francois Walker, they both won. Chuck Bednarik, Defensive Player of the Week. Davey O'Brien, Offensive Player of the Week. Not often you see two players from the same team in the same game do that, but it was a really strange game. Uh, now great that de- great debut Ohio's... by Francois and right. uh, another do- dominating performance by Walker. Now that I've completely crapped on Ohio State, let me give someone some credit. JT Barrett came out in his first possession and threw an interception and then came out and played lights out the rest of the game. Uh, you want to talk about getting over week one jitters, somebody who's used to doing that, somebody who impressed me very much this weekend is JT Barrett. I still don't understand why he was playing at all in the second half, but I digress. JT Barrett had a great game. He's somebody to watch out for. I think he will also be in New York City when it becomes time. He's my to pick. He's there. my Heisman pick. He was my preseason Heisman pick, and uh, yeah, I think it was six, seven, six, seven touchdowns. It doesn't matter. It was against a nobody. Uh, Shane Buchel, Tyrone Swoops, the one-two headed monster that came in uh, upset Notre Dame when I had no faith that they would do that. I actually secretly thought it wouldn't even be a remotely close game. So they uh, they came in and turned Texas's offense into something to not sleep on. I think that's, there's a lot to be said about doing that to what Texas was last year. So uh, thumbs up for them. We should call this something like, you know how ESPN has helmet stickers? We need to brainstorm like 
something, some cool name. I don't Listeners know. get on that. Uh, you know, I was impressed from the other side of the ball. I was impressed with Notre Dame's quarterbacks. I think they're both NFL ready. Uh, Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser. I think I think they both played whales of games, especially Deshaun Kaiser. He was making pinpoint accurate passes uh, the entire game. And while they didn't win the game, I still think it was impressive and a great confidence boost for that program. We're going to talk a little bit later on about what this means for teams that lost in week one. Uh, but I, I think that Notre Dame still has the opportunity to run through the table, or excuse me, to run the table and kind of control their own destiny, quote-unquote, although I hate that phrase because of its destiny. Are you really controlling it? But at the same time, I digress. I, I think that Notre Dame is somebody who really, if they run the table with their strength of schedule, can still make the playoff, and I think they're going to need Deshaun Kaiser to step up and play the way he did against Texas uh, for the rest of the year. Um, this is the guy I've been waiting to talk about. My favorite freshman performance, true freshman performance from week one, wasn't any of the quarterbacks. It was Ed Oliver at Houston. He was the number five recruit in the country last year. Uh, chooses Houston, which was the best recruit they ever got. Shocked the world. Not the world, but shocked everybody choosing them. I think he made a great choice. The dude is 18. He's a defensive tackle, and he was moving like or better than a middle linebacker getting in the backfield really really upsetting baker mayfield all day upsetting samad just i think he had two or three four five six seven a million tackles for loss against samaj p ryan uh was really maybe the main reason that p ryan never got going in that game ed oliver will be a first round pick a high first round pick in three years right i i agree with you uh the last guy that I want to talk about is Christian McCaffrey. You and I talked about him a lot last Heisman. year. As everyone Heisman. did. Everyone wanted him to win the Heisman. He had a great punt return, but here's the thing. It's not a great punt return if the guy doesn't hold. Someone held. Yeah, it's 95 yards, but it's probably 15 yards if someone doesn't hold. So I'm not really buying into Christian McCaffrey yet. Uh, in that great punt return, but he had a great run, and I still think we're going to see some exciting things from him. He's another guy you're going to see in New York City come Heisman time if he can continue this level of play and not get injured. Uh, But I am a little frightened for Stanford because I feel like their offense sort of revolves around him too much. He's kind of got the fishbowl mentality now. He's kind of got the fishbowl exposure where everything he does is under such a tight microscope that he's got to be careful of making mistakes and he can't let that pressure get to him, I'm not sure he's the type of guy that can do that. We'll have to wait and see, and that's why we love college football. Yeah, yeah, I think he did have the – you said he had a long touchdown in there. Was a, he had a 35-yarder and a 41-yard run. So, yeah, not bad from him. Um, we'll Rick, we're not – I mean, as, obviously we talk about McCaffrey. We're not going to talk about the Heisman until at least late October. I don't want to talk about it until Halloween because there's really no point. I mean, if we're giving out the Heisman – uh, this week is obviously, I, in my opinion, I don't know how you give it to anyone other than Deshaun Kaiser. And he lost. So, I, you know, I, in my opinion, he was the most outstanding player in college football this weekend. And he lost. So, Well, I, remember, I, I put on here, no point in September Heisman's. See, Landry Jones, Geno Smith, Leonard Fournette, there have been a million of them. I, I think it's hard to get interesting or about mid-October, second, third week of October is when you can kind of start to see players that are separating themselves. Uh, sound off time. You want to go first or you want me to? Mine's going to be kind of long. Let's. You want me to, you want the long one to go first? I don't know. You go first. Go, right. go, go ahead. Two-parter, but it's all about the same subject. The news today, 
and it's been going on for a while. Tim Tebow signing a minor league contract with the New York Mets. Um, he had a he had a workout where 28 of 30 MLB teams came to to visit, see what he had. He did okay, mixed reviews. Uh, and BP, you know, they were throwing him meatballs. He hit a couple homers. He showed obvious power, uh, a below average arm in the outfield. And when they gave him live pitching from ex MLB pitchers, he wasn't very good. He hit four balls in play out of 20, uh, and only one of them went for what would have been a base hit. So, team. <sighs> Maybe, maybe teams might be interested. About 11 teams were interested. Your Braves were interested. New York Mets signed him. Uh, he's the Braves are trying to sell tickets. Let's face it. Well, that's what this is. It, the, that's all it is. He was signed. Well, that's the thing. If you sign, this is Michael Jordan all league, over again. And they were adamant. They came out. The Mets organization came out saying, this is not to sell tickets. This is not. This is about, we think he's great for our young teams. We Paul. want to see him. We think he's an intriguing prospect. That no. is bull. I'm calling bull. You want me to tell you why I'm calling bull? Because the dude is going to be missing multiple games per week, multiple days per week, to still keep doing the TV stuff. He's not even completely buying in. He's not giving his his 100% to baseball. Are you kidding no. me? And if I was a minor league player that has spent my life in this game trying to make it, I have a dream to make it to the majors, not just some whim because I want to play sports and be on TV. I would be so angry if a dude that's here half the time is cutting into my at-bats, my playing time, my innings. Right. That is all to sell tickets. You know, call a spade a spade, but don't try to pull the wool over. I have to say he's an interesting prospect when he's going to be there three times a week. And then my next part, because this is what I was originally going to do it on until I got enraged at this baseball stuff, but when Teddy Bridgewater went down, it happened again. I knew it was coming. Teddy Bridgewater, he's out for the season, tears his knee, and immediately people start talking about how the Vikings need to sign Tebow and how they're idiots for not looking at doing Well, why wouldn't you do it? Four teams have all signed Tebow. Four te- he's played for uh, the Broncos, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Eagles. None of them wanted him. None of them thought he could cut it. You think you know more about him as a quarterback prospect than Bill Belichick? You're going to tell me you know more about him than Bill Belichick? Come on. No team wants him because he's not a good quarterback, and he's a, a, he's a, unwill, he's, he, he can't read a defense, he can't throw a ball, and he's unwilling to change the position he should be play, <coughs> excuse me, playing, which is tight end. And I, why can't we just let him have been a good college player? He was a great college quarterback. Why does it? Why doesn't everybody say? Why don't they look at signing Troy Smith? He won a Heisman. Why did nobody say they need to go get Jason White? He won a Heisman. You know, it's just I get so tired of of, of people want to so quickly call a guy a bust in the NFL. Look how quickly people jumped on Trent Richardson. Look how quickly people are trying to jump on Jadavian Clowney. But for some reason. It's like above reprimand. We can't we can't just call Tebow a, a you know a bust in the NFL. He's a first round pick and he didn't do anything. Right. I think I think that's a great sound off. Mine has to do with the Kansas Jayhawks. Their fans <laughs> rushed the field after beating Rhode Island fifty five to six. <laughs> they didn't. No, they didn't. You didn't hear this? They did not. Are you serious? They rushed the field because they hadn't won a game in so long. They beat Rhode Island 55-6, to and they, okay, let me say this, quote-unquote rushed the field. If you get a chance to look up this picture, there might be 35 people on the field. Oh, my gosh. It's embarrassing. I was embarrassed for them. 
Uh, not only is that absolutely classless to do to a program like Rhode Island, not only did you win by, what's that, 49 points? You won by seven scores, and you're rushing the field? It's like, it's, it's just asinine. It's it. just embarrassing. I'm so sick of rushing the field. If it's not a situation like kick six, or if Texas would have done it the other night against Notre Dame, I would have been okay with it. If it is not an upset or a big rivalry game, don't do it. There's no point. Yeah, a, a, a last I can understand a last second win. I over think I think Kansas got confused and thought it was basketball. Honestly, I I'm can... so disappointed in Midwest football. I'm so disappointed. Well, has there uh, been anybody as disappointing as Kansas in football? All right, I think that's Alabama about our podcast. basketball, maybe? We're topping out here at about an hour and, and 11 minutes. We're moving on to an hour and 12 minutes. So that is it for our podcast. You've listened to Pat's Interference. We've had a lot of fun doing this. Hey, hey, right quick, right quick. Pat, yeah. I just want to make a plug right quick. Uh, great guy that I've started working with also has a podcast. If any of our listeners, I know I am not. Brick, I know you are not. But some of our listeners might be uh, Major League Soccer fans. If you are, watch an MLS with The Ginger and Joe by Joe Arancio. It's also on iTunes. It's a great podcast. Brick, I'm not even kidding, dude. I, I can't stand the MLS. Uh, we went One of my sound offs a couple weeks ago was about soccer and how much I dislike it. This kid's podcast is good. It, it, it gets you into it. Uh, I learned more about Orlando City Soccer from this podcast that I did when I was living in Orlando. So again, that's watching MLS with the Ginger and Joe. You can find us, however, on social media. We're on Twitter at PI underscore podcast. We're on Facebook at PAT apostrophe S interference. We've got our website at patsinterference.com. We are on iTunes. You got it this time. You got it. Google Play. Mm. We are on Stitcher. Uh. We are on Amazon. Uh. We are on uh, what should what should my random one be this week? Uh, we're on Napster. Napster. Guys, SoundCloud. go to Napster. LimeWire. I mean, I mean, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. So let us know if you can't hear us. We, we can snail mail you a USB drive. Somehow we want you to listen to Pat's Interference because here's the deal. Patrick and I have always wanted to do this. This is our passion project. I, I mean, there's a reason we're talking to each other at 145 in the morning, my time, 1245 in the morning, his time. We love what we do, and we love doing this, and we love that you're a part of it. So thank you. We cannot do this without you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please like us, share us, listen to us. Download us. Tell your friends about us. Tell, Tell your, your girlfriends friends. about us. Tell people Tell you mama. hate about us. Tell, Tell people you love your about mama. us. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Again, we'll be back next week, early part of the week, with an Alabama episode later in the week. So I guess episode seven will be Alabama. Episode and eight will be NCAA. Even, even though this is the national podcast, we still sign off by saying roll tide. Roll tide, everybody. Everybody have a good night. Be safe, and we will talk to you next week.